Hey, this is Brian Akar, host of Why I Left, here to let you know about an important cause for which I'm fundraising and need your support. Child trauma occurs more than you think. More than two-thirds of children reported at least one traumatic event by age 16. Since 1979, the Advocate Childhood Trauma Treatment Program has provided a range of specialized services for the treatment of and healing from experiences of trauma in the Chicago area. Knowing people who have experienced childhood trauma, I'm aware of its lasting impact. That's why, on October 13th, 2024, I'm back running the Chicago Marathon again, representing Advocate Health as a member of the charity running team and fundraising to benefit the program. Please visit the show notes and click the link for Be Run Chicago to donate to this cause. I appreciate any support that you could provide. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Thank you. Welcome to Why I Left, a podcast that explores the great resignation. I'm your host, Brian Akar. Join me as I chronicle real stories from real people about the reasons they decided to leave their jobs during the pandemic and what has happened since. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Why I Left. In today's episode, I chat with Alicia Reese. Alicia is the founder and principal of The Reese Group, an executive coaching and consulting firm partnering with high potential talent, leaders, teams, and groups across Fortune 500 organizations. Over the past 20 years, she's worked at the intersection of people and business, and I'm really excited to close out season two with her insights. Let's go check out her story. All right. Welcome back. So our guest today is Alicia Reese. Alicia is a certified executive coach, author, and speaker who empowers her clients to deepen their self-awareness and harness their strengths while fostering a growth mindset to advance their career through the power of emotional intelligence. Now, she's a former HR leader and has been a Forbes featured speaker at their global summits and contributed articles published by Forbes discussing career and leadership trends. Additionally, you could also find her featured in The Muse, Authority Magazine, Market Watch, CEO Magazine, Training Magazine, Thrive Global, Yahoo Finance, and a host of other publications. Now, what I'm really excited to have her join is because in 2021, she released her first book, Driven to Thrive, 10 Proven Strategies to Excel, Expand, and Elevate Your Career in Life. And she also has over 50,000 learners globally who have taken her LinkedIn learning courses, coaching yourself to career success, and using personal authenticity to drive career success. So I'm really excited to have her on. So hi, Alicia. How are you doing today? I am doing well, Brian. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. You know, this is a, a huge, huge episode for us. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about that more later because I'm definitely excited to have, have you join. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about your bio and would love to just get a little background on you before talking a little bit more about your work. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, where you currently call home. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. I am one of two children. And, you know, as I think about my upbringing, there were three anchors for me. Uh, number one, faith. Um, so my family always uh, really instilled having faith as a, a core value in how we navigated life. Education was also very important to our family. 
Um, I saw my mother go back to school um, at a very young age. Um, and when I say that, she got her undergrad degree and soon after she got her master's degree, all in education. And so my mother was the, the mom who corrected me if I spoke incorrect English, even in front of my friends or just out with family. So education was just something that was firmly instilled. And then the third anchor was resilience. And I talk about resilience quite a bit. Um, it is definitely embedded in emotional intelligence. And I didn't know that I would learn the power of resilience at such a young age. My brother, Harold, um, actually passed away um, when he was 16, I was 14, of bone cancer. And he went through a three-year battle. Uh, St. Jude Research Children's Hospital in Memphis was a beacon of hope for us and really supported us during that time. And so because of that, I actually give back a percentage of my revenue to St. Jude. But resilience, that was really important for our family to continue to move forward. Obviously, this was a setback for us. And as I think about faith, education, resilience, they really played out throughout my life. Oh, absolutely. I could definitely tell. And, you know, when you think about your career journey, what's that been like for you? Yes, my career journey definitely has not been in a straight line. Um, when I first started, um, I went to undergrad at the University of Tennessee. The degree was in business, human resource management. And I was of the mindset that if you spend four years working on a degree, you should work in the field. And my first job was not in human resources. I actually worked for an international honor society called Golden Key. Uh, I did that for two and a half years, was a Great Lakes regional director. So I supported all the universities and colleges throughout Ohio and Michigan. And it was during that time that while I wasn't necessarily working in human resources fully, I was still focused on developing people, developing students, working with different university officials and really just inspiring uh, students to continue to grow in their leadership, even at a very uh, young age, if you will. And then eventually I did move into human resources um, after two and a half years. And in fact, while I was at Golden Key, 9-11 happened and it just changed everything. While I was at Golden Key, I traveled 75% of the time. So I would fly into my region um, and then I would literally travel sometimes for 30 days consecutively to the various universities. So once September 11th happened, it changed my perspective as I'm sure it changed a lot of people's perspective on life. And I wanted to, to move into human resources. So Owens Corning, Building Materials, a Fortune 500 company based ironically in Toledo, Ohio, came knocking on my door. They had a wonderful HR leadership development program where I would be able to spend two and a half years rotating throughout the company, gaining really a strong foundation in human resources and spent time in manufacturing. I spent time um, at their corporate headquarters in various assignments. And then after I left Owens Corning, I decided, hey, why not move into something new? I had gotten the experience. I had you know, worked even after I graduated from the program. And I was ready to, to settle, sell, if you will, on a new journey. And Kimberly Clark um, was a, a company that came knocking on the door. And I, I share Kimberly Clark, this story, because it was really one of the most defining moments for me in my career. I, I jumped into this experience where 
I was a young African-American female in my mid-20s leading a team of about 20 people in rural uh, Conway, Arkansas. And I was over two manufacturing facilities at the time. And, you know, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the best fit for me, but I had to go (laughs) into experience (laughs) to really kind of look like, oh, my goodness. So the first week I kind of knew like, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit, but I stuck it out for five months. And uh, at that time, I was on a fast track, if you will, in my career. And I had to really dig deep and look within myself around what was important to me at this time. And, you know, there are two different schools of thought, you know, stay in there and stick it out. And this is what it's about life and career or listen to my own internal voice, which is saying, no, you need to go and do something else. So I actually left that role. And at the time I had a home in Tennessee, I went back to my home and I really got clear about where I wanted to go next. And I wanted to move to Atlanta. So I did. And less than you know three months later, I was with Scientific Atlanta, moved into that company as a human resources manager. And then eventually they were purchased by Cisco. So most notably, I spent the majority of my career, um, nearly 10 years at Cisco, working at the intersection of people and business. I worked in various capacities from acquisition integration work to being an HR business partner, and then eventually moving into leadership development. Uh, Fun fact about Cisco, I actually met my husband literally a couple of months Mm. after uh, starting with the company, we met on the elevator and uh, we've been married <laughs> <laughs> going on 11 years now. And when this comes it. out, it'll be, yeah, it'll be 11 years fully. So I shared the Kimberly Clark story because it was a defining moment for me, as I mentioned, but it also really set me on the path of really being intentional and listening to my own voice when it came to my career leadership development at Cisco. I became an external coach, an internal coach as well. And eventually I started my own practice. Yeah. And you know, that's what I love in this, the show. We often talk about that purpose, that intention of people in the decisions that they're making, especially during a time like this. And so you started mentioning, you know, this internal and external coaching. So how, how did you initially get bit by the coaching bug? Yeah. So The common thread for me, even going back to Golden Key, was people development. And while I was at Cisco, I did, like I said, a number of of different assignments. And I quite honestly felt like the work was becoming very mundane. I had a sweet situation. And when I say that, you know, Cisco was one of the early adopters of working from home. They felt like work is something you do is not necessarily a place you go. So I had flexibility. I had a really nice salary, but there was something missing for me. And purpose is so important in that intentionality. So I felt like there were times in my career where I did engage in coaching. And during those times, I felt truly just energized by the work. And I wanted to feel more like that. I didn't want to, you know, have that run of the mill. Okay, I know what this process is and what we're going to do here. And it just felt like I needed something new. And so on this self-discovery journey, I started reading a lot of books. I started having some coaching um, for myself as well. 
And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go through a formal coach training program and see where that takes me. And Cisco would have paid for the program. It's development, right? But I decided to invest in myself because it was that purposeful. And I didn't want to report back to the company, if you will. I wanted to see what I wanted to do with that training. And uh, so I went through the formal training, met a tribe of people globally who had, had this shared love for really wanting to support people and moving forward in their careers and lives. And I knew at that point that I had found my home, um, if you will. And so, yeah, I graduated from the program. I became an internal coach. I started my own part-time practice while I was at Cisco and uh, life was really good for me. No, I like that. And, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit briefly about your this first book, Driven to Thrive. And we'll talk a little bit more about later, but just to kind of tee us up a little bit. So Driven to Thrive, you know, you really offer readers this guide to accelerating their path to success, right? And before we kind of get into some of those strategies, what was the inspiration for this book? The inspiration was twofold. The inspiration, first and foremost, came from my clients. I started to see trends in my one-on-one coaching sessions and group coaching sessions regarding career, life, and leadership. And I'm one person. So I wanted to be able to scale the messages that I felt like were really important in this area of career management and leadership development and even life management in the form of a book. So that was one of the inspirations. And the second inspiration was really myself. I mean, I think it's important that we are vulnerable because I think that vulnerability creates connection and it it fosters community. And definitely I've had a lot of great successes in my career, but I've also had a lot of uh, failures and areas where I was just completely unsure of myself and, you know, not necessarily having the language to describe what was happening to me. And it was the imposter syndrome. Right. And and times where I just felt like, oh, I want to say something, but I don't feel confident enough. And I wanted to be able to share some of my own stories of my trials and triumphs. And and with the trials, how did I actually overcome these trials? And so those were the, you know, the, the reasons why I wrote the book. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Are you struggling with mental health issues but find it difficult to make time for in-person therapy? BetterHelp has got you covered. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform that connects you with licensed therapists from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can access professional counseling whenever and wherever you need it on your schedule. And the best part? It's affordable, confidential, and easy to use. As the host of Why I Left, I know that life can be tough sometimes. And that's why it's important to take care of your mental health. BetterHelp offers a wide range of services, including individual counseling, couples therapy, and even online group sessions. So whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, or any other mental health issue, BetterHelp can provide the support you need to feel better. Sign up for BetterHelp today and start living a happier, healthier life. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash why I left. That's betterhelp.com slash why I left. Take care of yourself.
No, I like that. So what do you hope readers will take away from the book? And what was your biggest takeaway while writing the book? What I want readers to take away from the book is two things. Number one, emotional intelligence is a practical set of tools and resources that you can use to really power your career and your life. Sometimes when folks hear the terminology emotional intelligence, they feel like it's this faraway concept or it just belongs in a textbook. And in actuality, you know, emotional intelligence is about deepening your self-awareness about how you're showing up. It is about being perceptive of others in a way where you're able to make better decisions, manage relationships and stress to get to the outcomes that you want. And I personally believe that emotional intelligence is the key to personal and professional transformation and really anything that you want to achieve in your in your career and in your life. So I want them to be able to see that, wow, I can take this set of skills and really apply them and be in the driver's seat of my career. And what I was able to take away in writing the book was that I can do the impossible because quite honestly, it felt like this huge, impossible task of writing a book. And I started writing a book or this book uh, literally a year prior to me actually writing. And I stopped because there was a level of fear of like, wow, can I really do this? And so I, I put it on the shelf and then the pandemic happened and I suddenly had a lot of time. <laughs> so I, I picked, you know, the ideas back up and I just started writing and the information just flowed very fluidly. And quite honestly, it still feels surreal to a certain extent when, you know, people introduce me um, like you introduced me on your podcast or feeling and touching my book, like it's like, wow, I actually did this. So it was really a testament that we can do hard things. I can do hard things. No, absolutely. I resonate that with that so much because sometimes I feel that way with this show. You know, because, you know, I had this idea for this thing and it's like, wow, this is like real now, you know? So but I love that you you mentioned that. And, you know, before we get into other things about the book, I, you know, the nature of the show kind of has it some COVID origins, right? And so we'd just love to talk with you a little bit about your experience during that time. And so let's take you back to March of 2020. COVID really hits us. We're introduced to the pandemic. Talk a little bit about how the pandemic affected you and your business. Yeah. So as with everyone, not knowing a lot about COVID at the time, there was definitely an element of, of fear of the unknown of, of what was to happen. But then also there was an element of, wow, I get to actually be in this cocoon, if you will, with my nine-year-old daughter and my husband, and we get to really spend uninterrupted time together. So there was an element of happiness um, as a part of that experience as well. In terms of my business, I know that a, a lot of businesses actually suffered, particularly small businesses during the pandemic. My business was actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. My business was booming. And I think for a couple of reasons, number one, during this time, people had more time so they could take time to reflect on their careers and their lives and just their leadership. And they were kind of rethinking and re-engineering 
what they truly wanted and really getting to the core of that. And so having a coach to be able to help unravel that in partnership with them was really important. So I had definitely a lot of folks reaching out regarding coaching. And then the second piece, organizations, because now there was an element of fear and just uncertainty that was happening. They wanted to try to normalize as much as possible for their employees by continuing with ongoing development. So organizations were reaching out as well, just around providing coaching uh, for their employees from a development perspective, but then also for them to have a resource, a safe place where they felt like they could be fully heard and fully seen to, to share the good, the bad, the ugly, if you will, around this experience so that they could really be productive and overall have a sense of well-being. I like that. And, and looking back, what's one thing you would have done differently during the pandemic? I would have rest more, quite honestly. <laughs> I was the, the person, I was running my business. Suddenly my daughter was at home. We were trying to navigate her online school schedule and (laughs) navigating life. So I was like, you know, really busy and I was writing my book. So there was just so many different dynamics that were happening during that time. But in hindsight, I I would have carved out more time to actually rest. I get that. And, you know, now transitioning back to some of your work now as, you know, executive coach and author, would love to dig a little bit more into the book. And so, can you tell us a little more about the the strategies that you outlined in your book and how they apply to this moment? And, you know, because we think about now, there's so much movement in the workforce. And so I think you've, you've kind of outlined some very nice things. And so we'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of movement, a lot of change, and quite honestly, just a lot of uncertainty that's happening right now in the workforce. And as I think about the book, Driven to Thrive and the strategies, the first strategy that kind of comes to mind is actually the first chapter. It's the smallest chapter, but it's to me the most impactful chapter. And that is harnessing your power. Like in order to implement any of the other strategies in the book is so important to harness your power. There is a quote by Les Brown that I love, which is focused around the graveyard being the richest place on earth, because there you have the inventions that were never created, the cures that were never found, the songs that were never written, all because people didn't necessarily keep at the problem or keep with what they wanted to do. And by harnessing your power, you're harnessing your confidence, you're harnessing your authenticity, your skills in order to drive the career and life that you want and what gets in the way of being able to harness your power. I call it the other syndrome because we're kind of looking outside of ourselves at others that kind of gets in the way of us being able to move forward. And when I say others, meaning we're taking what people say at at face value, right? Not necessarily challenging if someone gives you a certain level of feedback, what's true about that feedback versus what's not because I feel that feedback can be constructive or destructive. Constructive feedback has evidence, destructive feedback has no evidence. So being able to even challenge that, and then also taking on the personas of other. There's a quote that I love in the book where I talk about, and it's really a a story versus a quote, where Oprah, when she's first starting out in 
media um, and she's taking on the persona of Barbara Walters, like literally emulating her down to how she speaks. And then there was a moment that she actually mispronounces Canada and she calls it Canada. <laughs> and that moment, she laughed so hard at herself, but it was, it was a moment of clarity around, I just should be my own authentic self. Like I'm enough. And clearly she's obviously one of the most influential people on the planet. And so that says a lot, you know, in terms of that part. And then also just comparing yourself to others, right? And so there's a really great quote, comparison is a thief of joy. And so it's really about focusing on your lane. And so by doing these things, you're able to fully harness your power. So that's one strategy that I certainly think is important. Another strategy, I talk about four different stages in your career. And I think oftentimes people think about I'm an individual contributor, manager, director, like these are stages. But I actually looked at it through a different lens and looking at building, climbing, coasting, leaping, right? At these different junctures in your career and that they can happen at different stages. They don't have to happen sequentially. But one of the stages that we don't often talk about is coasting, like giving yourself to coast. Um, I just had a new baby. I need to coast for a moment. It doesn't mean that I'm not moving, I'm still moving. I'm still meeting my objectives, but maybe I'm not able to go at the same pace as I did when I didn't necessarily have a baby. So I think that that speaks to burnout, particularly where you have on average 50% of people burnt out, you know, where you have quiet quitting and all these other things like the great resignation that are happening in the world. And so it's important to give ourselves permission to coast when we need to coast. I feel like you're talking to me on that one because I, I find it very, very difficult to coast. Like I, it's tough and, and I, and I'm self-aware enough to acknowledge that. Right. But I do find it very difficult to, to coast because I feel like I'm at that stage where, you know, it's, it's like these next 20 years are huge, you know? So like I got to do what I got to do. And so I know it's not the healthiest of things, but just being open and honest about that. Well, I love it. I'm raising my hand because that is me as well especially when you love what you do. Like I yeah. truly love what I do. It is purposeful work. It is a part of not just what I do, it's who I am. And so being able to engage in that type of work is just awesome. But I also have a tipping point where it's like you can pivot and you feel like you're going to actually burn out, if you will. And so there are obviously strategies that you can use so that you don't become burnt out. But the self-awareness piece is really important, but also taking actions. Yeah, no, agreed. You know, one of the things you mentioned too in the, in the book was around building and nurturing relationships, right? This you know, key to kind of growing. And so how can our listeners cultivate some like authentic connections with others in today's digital age? We are in a digital age for sure. And I get this question quite a bit um, because you're not necessarily in an office every day where you can run into people at the water cooler and the cafeteria and there are these organic connections that just happen. You have to be very intentional and strategic when it comes to cultivating relationships. And the way that I look at cultivating relationships, it's planting a seed and watering the seed. Planting the seed is you have made the initial connection and then watering the seed 
how do you uh, continue to have touch points with that individual that you're looking to build a relationship with? But even before you get to that point, you have to get clear about who do you want to build relationships with? And people may not like this, but it's true. All relationships are not created equal. <laughs> they are not created equal. You have to right. be intentional and strategic, not to say that you can't have relationships with, you know, the people who you want or you enjoy. But I also want you to think about the goal that you have in mind in terms of managing your career. Who are the folks who can actually be a sponsor? And I'm not talking about a mentor, someone who's going to help coach you along the way. But I'm talking about people who will use their political capital behind closed doors to represent you and say, wow, you're ready for that next opportunity. Let me endorse this individual as we're building out this new organization, if you will, and we're trying to stand it up. And so you have to be intentional and you have to be strategic about those relationships and touch them, you know, send them an article, do your due diligence about them, stop them on LinkedIn. Uh, if you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, look at their information. What are they posting about? What are they into? And then being able to take that information and start to build a dialogue with them. And sometimes people are like, well, I think they're really too busy individuals, especially as you go higher in the organization. And what I've found is that when people ask the question, oftentimes it's yes, or it could be not right now, but maybe in a couple of months. And then what happens is that people don't follow up. You have to follow up. Building relationships should be a part of just, it's a part of just really good career hygiene. And it's something that should be ongoing, not when you need people and you're like, I'm ready for the next opportunity. It's ongoing. And then the other piece I would say about that is mutual value. Relationships is about how do you not only take something from that individual, whether it's wisdom or there's a support, but what can you give? What are they grappling with? How can you help them solve a problem? Absolutely. You know, one of the things and the themes that have been consistent throughout our show, and I actually did, uh, you know, two series in May and July on like mental health and all those things. But one of the things we talk about and you talk about is wellness and self-care, right? It's a consistent theme throughout the book, my show, like I mentioned. And so when we think about this, what are some ways that listeners can really better harmonize their personal and professional responsibilities while still taking care of themselves, right? And I think that kind of piggybacks off of the us being difficult to coast or uh, you know not being able to coast, right? But what are some strategies for us? Right? Yeah, and I love that you use the word harmonization because I believe that work-life balance is a fallacy. I do. I think it's important that to have a level of integration, especially given the world that we're living in with so many people are working from home or in a hybrid type of um, scenario. So the, the one overarching strategy that I share with clients often is to infuse shots of espresso in their day. So you obviously know espresso gives you energy. Um, if you go to like, you know, regular coffee house and you're like, I want a shot of espresso because you're looking for that boost of energy. And when you think about the shot of espresso, figuratively speaking, it really is focused on activities that will give you that boost of energy throughout your day. So for example, I've had some clients who have blocked, let's say 30, 45 minutes on their calendar midday, and they've actually gone to Target. 
you know, without the children, without their spouses. And they've gone to Target and they, they have their basket and they're literally just walking the aisles. But it brings them a sense of joy. It gives them that boost of energy. Uh, for some people, it is taking a moment to meditate. There's so many apps out there that will support them in just giving giving them that boost of energy. It could be taking a walk. It could be listening to something that's funny, you know, because I feel like humor is just really good for your soul, if you will. Uh, so it's really figuring out what are those activities that will give you your boost of energy. And it's not again, waiting until you can take that vacation. Because oftentimes I hear people, oh, I just went to Hawaii. Wonderful. Now I need a vacation from the vacation. And you can't wait three or six months. Infuse the shots of espresso throughout the day. Block your time if you can. Put ticklers on your phone, if you will, notifications. Because on average, we look at our phones 150 times a day. Why not put a notification of, oh, it's time for my shot of espresso. And then the last thing I would say is just boundaries. You have to create healthy boundaries, boundaries with others in terms of your hours and when you're working, when you're not working, and then even boundaries with yourself, you know, because it's so easy to keep the phone. You're, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. And then you have your phone on the nightstand and it's vibrating. And nine times out of 10, you're going to check it. So one of the things, just a personal practice that I've started is that when I go to bed, I leave my phone, my iPad, any device is left in my office until the next morning. Oh, nice. Ooh, I wish I could do that. I'm, I'm too busy doom scrolling at night sometimes, <laughs> but, but I, I, I try. I, I try my best. So no, I, I like that. And that was actually, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to hear you kind of talk how you've implemented some of these strategies in your book. And so yeah, that sounds like one, right? You, you keep that outside of, of your space. So I really like that. You know, one other thing you talk about is, is you really make this call out to readers to seek mentors, right? And have role models. Who are some of your mentors or role models and really how have they impacted your life? Yes. Yeah, so first and foremost, my mother, my mom, unfortunately passed away suddenly in June of 2011. And she just, you know, again, she just left an imprint on my heart. And again, it started, if you go back to our earlier part of our conversation of education and really instilling that lifetime learning uh, desire in me. You can tell, obviously, I have all these books behind me. I love to read. I, I just love that. And even, you know, my mom was an educator, so she was a teacher. And I never saw myself as a teacher. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, wow, I do teach, but it's just in a different way. It's not in a classroom with children, but I actually get to teach and inspire others, you know, adults, if you will. So my mom, also Sheila Carmichael, Sheila Carmichael was my first HR manager at Owens Corning and love her, you know, to death. She is a person who I can continue to call upon when I need any advice around my career and my life, Gerard Zach is also a, a really great mentor uh, who hired me when I left Kimberly Clark, didn't have the job and he, he took a chance on me. And for that, I, I will be forever grateful. And David Harris, who is no longer with us um, here on earth, who also was able to see me as a young HR leadership development participant and give me really meaty assignments and really sponsor me before I even really knew what sponsoring was. He sponsored me. And then there are people who I've never 
really engaged with, like Michelle Obama and Oprah, who continue to inspire me uh, based upon their journeys and the work that they're doing in the world. Anytime I have a talk that I'm going to do, when a part of my regiment is I will listen to Michelle Obama or Oprah, just something inspirational that they've said, and it really just energizes me. So they've touched me in a lot of ways as well. Oh, that's great to hear. And, you know, a part of the show that truthfully I get the most feedback on is really this advice section, right? So I love for our guests to to share some advice for folks who, who are listening. And so when you think about all the things we've been talking about and, and everything that's going on in the workplace, what advice would you give to someone who is feeling stuck or discouraged in their personal professional life? Get clear about the why. What's the why that's associated with dissatisfaction and Oftentimes, that's like the number one area that, you know, folks will reach out. I'm feeling stuck. I don't know what to do. And then oftentimes when people say they're feeling stuck, they talk, they start to talk about the organization and about the things that they don't like. They also start to talk about different elements of their job. And so you have to get clear about, is it the job or is it the organization? Maybe I've outgrown the environment. Maybe I've outgrown the role or maybe it's a combination of the two. So I definitely think that piece. And then I talk about this second strategy in my book, which is to basically go through a SWOT analysis. And oftentimes SWOT analysis are used in businesses to understand the health and vitality, right, of the organization. But you can use a SWOT analysis as well to understand your strengths and the way I look at strengths. What are you energized by? What strengthens you, right? Get clear about that. What weakens you? And you can look at your current job, your current environment, what, you know, and those are your weaknesses. Like, I don't want to do expense reports or I don't want to do a lot of analytical work. And so really getting clear about the weaknesses. And then what are the opportunities that you have opportunities to grow and develop and really get clear about what are those areas? And that is kind of an indication of hmm, maybe there's some data here that will point me in the direction of where I really want to go next in my career. And then the T, which is threats, you know, what's getting in the way of you being able to move forward in those areas where you've identified as opportunities. And oftentimes we look outside of ourselves, but quite honestly, there are internal threats, limiting beliefs, negative self-talk, the inner critic that gets in the way of us being able to pursue what we really want. And so being able to understand those different elements will help to heighten your self-awareness so that you can put a plan in place to get unstuck. I like that. And, you know, how can they apply the strategies in the book, right, to, to overcome those challenges? Any, any framework for that? How can they apply the strategies in the book? Quite honestly, it's just doing, you know, doing the work. What I love about the book, there are a lot of things that I love, but the way that I've outlined the book, it's very practical, meaning I'm not just giving you a concept. I'm giving you the how-to and I'm giving you a story to support how somebody was able to leverage the strategies. So it's just a matter of working the steps, working the strategies. And as I share with clients, it's important to experiment, experiment with you know, one or two strategies and see what actually works for you. What worked well, what didn't, and continue to iterate as you continue to move forward. I like that. And now you emphasize the importance of giving back 
to others in the book. And it's something that, you know, I've noticed that, that you live by and the content I've seen of yours. And so I think that's really awesome. So how can people find meaningful ways to contribute to their own communities? First and foremost, get clear about what you're passionate about. I said earlier in the segment that I give back to St. Jude Research Children's Hospital because there's a personal connection for me, right? And so that is a form of giving back and I'm passionate about it. So I would look for what are, what are some things that you're really passionate about? And then also, if there's even an intersection between your passions and your day job, meaning how could this way of giving back, which could be sitting on a board, a nonprofit board, for example, how could that anchor me in helping me build new skills and make me even sharper in my role while tapping into my passions? I like that. And so what's next for you? Great question. Uh, what's next <laughs> for me? Uh, you know, quite honestly, you know, I look at my career as a collection of experiences, right? It's not necessarily this linear path where I'm going to continue to ascend, if you will. And as I think about what's next for me, certainly I plan to continue to offer my portfolio of services around coaching and courses. I plan to write my next book as well. And I plan to be open to what comes to me that's going to continue to help me to support people in navigating their careers with purpose, passion, and peace of mind. At the end of the day, that's what I truly enjoy. And I enjoy doing that through the power of emotional intelligence. Love that. And, you know, last question, what type of impact are you hoping to have in the future? The impact that I'm hoping to have is to really continue to help people to move forward in their careers, lives, and leadership journeys, no matter what. And I say that quite often, no matter what piece is so important because the what is typically what gets us stuck. And my goal is to continue to be a resource, be a coach to support people really getting unstuck so that they can have the careers, lives, and leadership journeys that they want. And for me, that's kind of, that's the high level surface piece. But then these folks are going to go out and create better organizations, better employee experiences. They are going to create additional experiences uh, for their families. I mean, I've had folks who have worked with me and they take the coaching back and they start to coach their teenage children, uh, if you will. So just continuing to grow my impact through the power of coaching and development in the world is where I see myself in the future. Very nice. Well, Alicia, I really, 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 really appreciate you taking the time to join the show and really close out season two today. Appreciate learning everything about you and would love for you to share where our listeners can support you. Absolutely. So I am at www.aliciadreese.com. That is uh, Reese with a C. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I have two courses, Coaching Yourself to Career Success, as well as Using Personal Authenticity to Drive Your Career Success. And then also my book, Driven to Thrive, which you can find on my website, Amazon, any major book retailer. Very nice. Thank you for that info. And look, that'll do it for today's episode. And we'll wrap up season two of why I left. It's been, it's been an amazing one. Uh, look, I appreciate all the support. The season, like I said, has been 
wonderful, truly a labor of love. And I'm honored to share uh, these stories uh, with you all. We'll be returning in season three, 2024, give you a date as it gets a little bit closer. So make sure you're subscribed and make sure you stay up to date on, on all the content. So I want to thank uh, Alicia Reese for joining me today. I'll share her info in the show notes. And look, hope you all enjoy the holiday season and we'll definitely see you next time. Thanks again, Alicia. Thank you, Brian. Thanks again for listening to Why I Left. Be sure to join us next time for more stories from the Great Resignation. Visit us at www.whyileft.co. That's whyileft.co. And subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, podcasters. It's Brian Akar, host of Why I Left. Are you ready to take your show to the next level? I've got a game changer for you. Meet Dave, the genius behind apodcastgeek.com and the man who keeps me and Why I Left looking and sounding so crisp. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just getting started, Dave's got your back. He's the go-to producer for podcasters who demand nothing but the best. At apodcastgeek.com, you can easily order your next episode. And the best part, got a special offer, is you'll receive 10% off your first order using code BA10. That's right, 10% off to kickstart your podcasting journey by simply using the code BA10 at checkout. Now don't wait. I know you've been thinking about starting a show and maybe this is your sign to just get out there and do it. So what I want you to do is visit apodcastgeek.com, sign up and start creating amazing content. Dave and his team are simply amazing and you won't regret it. At apodcastgeek.com, they're going to help you reach new heights with your podcast. And of course, tell them that Brian from Why I Left sent you. See you soon.